0: Hello, friends. You're listening to the Sound Off Podcast. My name is Nate Lauks, and I'm your host. Sound Off is a community conversation show that airs each Monday and Friday live on 96.7 The Eagle in LaPorte, Indiana. And while podcasts don't allow for live interaction, we are still grateful to have you listening and engaged. So please help us out by subscribing and rating the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. Share the podcast with your friends and enjoy today's conversation.
1: Welcome to this podcast of Sound Off from December 20th, 2021 with your host, Nate Laux. Today, Nate hosts a conversation with County Commissioner Sheila Matias. Now here's your host, Pastor Nate Laux.
0: Hello, friends. Today is Monday, December 20th. We are just five days away from Christmas. Uh, There's still time to do shopping for me, if you'd like. Uh, I have not had any major requests for my shopping list yet i know you're all busy but if you want to you know again stop by get that shopping list for me i've got lots of great things that i would like uh, as well as peace on earth so if you want to bring that as well that'd be great so we've got a great show for you planned today i want to give you an update though um, we've got a show today, no show on Friday, it's Christmas Day, um, I've got this other gig on Christmas Eve that I do called Being a Pastor, so I've got different services on Christmas Eve to do, Christmas Day I'll actually be with my family celebrating, and I hope you are as well, I mean, you can certainly still listen to the radio station, do what you do, but I will not be with you on that day, then we'll be back on Monday, and then we'll not be, again, be here again on that next Friday, because it's New Year's. So so a little bit of interruption, we'll have a show a week for two weeks, um, and then we'll be back to a regular schedule. So today we've got Sheila Matisse, the uh, county commissioner, is on the show today. We're going to be talking about what's happening in the county, um, economically, what's happening with some of the drama, these kind of things. If you have a question for the commissioner, please do call the Liquor Vault on airline or text me, 219 and I'd love to hear from you. Um, and then next Monday, we'll have Mayor Tom Dermody on the show as well. And he better bring me a Christmas present. And if not, uh, it'll be the last time he's on this show. All right, friends. All right, so... Sheila Matisse, Commissioner Matisse, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Glad to have you.
2: Thank you. It is a delight to be here, and of course, this is a holiday week, so um, it's a good way to kick off the week. Do you have
0: major plans for the holiday?
2: So I have a large family, as most people know, and so we'll be doing family meals and family celebrations. So We do a pajama party on Christmas Eve where we all wear our Christmas jammies. Do you, so, do you have grandkids and everything? I do. I have 11 grandchildren.
0: Okay. Okay. So is it a lot more fun through the eyes of grandchildren now than it ever has yeah,
2: been? Yeah. We really try to stay away from material things and do so we're going to do cookie decorating station and we're going to do some crafts and play games and we put reindeer antlers on our dogs and you know just family silly stuff yeah that'll
0: be great yeah so um i want to talk a little bit about what's happening with laporte county um obviously we can get into some of the drama but i i don't want to just talk about drama because i want to talk about some of the things that are happening uh we have a hundred and what eleven thousand people in this county and uh many of us are are hoping for progress on some things to happen. Um, first thing I want to talk about, though, is one of the things that you've done and you've decided to do, kind of, I guess, to rise above some of the stuff that's happening is to focus on some of our local businesses. Right. Um, during that process, during the commissioner's meeting, you will focus on it. I think you guys put out press releases, these kind of right. things, to focus on different corporations, different businesses that are employing people in LaPorte County. What have you learned in that process from some of these things?
2: So, um, I, I uh, as I travel around the county, I was a little frustrated because I kept hearing people say, "You know, it's a shame we don't have, <laughs> we don't have uh, a lot of good jobs in our in our county. We have a lot of, you know, minimum wage fast food jobs. Nothing that we, you know, we can build a career around." And I know that's not true, and some other people know it's not true, but the the regular folks that might be looking for a job or they don't know that. And so what I did as I went to my friends in the economic development, uh, Tony Rodriguez and I have a long uh, history together, and said, you know, what are we doing to, about the businesses that are already here? Not just looking for businesses, but building up the the businesses that have already invested. It's a good point
0: to say, you know, so much of our economic development is time, time trying to bring people in, but also to focus on the people here. Right,
2: so what we did, what, and you know, I came up with a brainstorm and I said, hey, what about Laporte County Works? And focus on the companies that are already invested here that are looking for people. Almost every company that you talk to is looking for employees. They're in a growth mode or they've had some retirements. Uh, Pandemic slowdown and now it's pandemic as it it resides you know moves into its third year i guess um they're they're um able to get their supplies and they're ready to to um you know retool and rebuild so um we focused uh, thus far on i believe six or seven companies i do one at every meeting mike seitz is our retention specialist so he goes from our office of economic development and goes out into the field um i there's one i do want to go to uh, that i i will i will try to join him if i can but um He brings back information: what the company does, what's their, um, you know, what's their forecast, their economic forecast. Are they building jobs? Are they anticipating job growth in the next twenty-four months? And then um, Viviana and I write together. Um, She starts a draft. I work on it, um, making sure that the um, company is highlighted from a perspective that will interest people. So we know what they're making, and it's so cool. There's so many interesting things from Sims Meat out at Kingsbury. They're making sausages and beautiful uh, pieces of meat for our for our families. And then others that are doing digital uh, production, they're doing uh, water purification uh, uh, chemicals. So we're learning a lot about what's happening here, and we're also trying to make sure that the story gets out to people who might be looking for a job, a change in career. Uh, they don't have to go far, they don't have to go to Chicago, they don't have to go to South Bend. Right here in Lepore County, we have a lot of really great jobs, all levels, from um, you know unskilled, where you need to be, get trained, um, what I found out is that a lot of our companies spend a lot of pride and dollars on training people. And so that's uh, that's a win-win for everyone.
0: So another thing that I wanna talk about, if you're just tuning in now, we've got uh, Commissioner Sheila Matisse on the show. And I wanna talk a little bit about uh, something that I think causes a little bit of confusion because it is a confusing element to our county. So we've got the drawbridge in Michigan City or the former mayor of Michigan City or LaPorte County Commissioner. And how that works together in Indiana, um, and, and, and please correct me if I'm getting this wrong. So the drawbridge in Michigan City is located, obviously, in the city. The state dictates who pays for that, and they've said the counties need to pay for the infrastructure for the bridges, right? And right. But on top of that, the Coast Guard, the, essentially the United States military, gets to decide and determine Whether this exists or not, and how it exists, and you know, things like this. So, they also are a stakeholder in this bridge.
2: Yeah, that's correct. It's Um, it's a, it's, um, you know, having been a mayor of Michigan City, I know the bridge the whole history of the bridge pretty intimately it's been around a very long time and it's outlived its usefulness but it is productive it's the gateway to uh to the michigan city lakefront to the marina to a lot of the activities that families like to do but it also is crossing a navigable water federal waterway and that's trail creek so the the coast guard has the right as our coast guard to uh, to um expect us to open it and close it when they when they, they require said, and they have to, oh right? yeah they require they require it to be uh, open for the season on a certain date. So we have to get our repairs done by a certain date so that they can uh, they can have access to the waterway. The bridge has to be left up at certain times if it's if it's their request. It has to close at certain times if it's their request. So um, it's a bit of a dance, to be honest, because we, we know that the bridge is old. It needs lots of repair. And we've actually sent a request to Congressman Mervan to uh, begin to really do more than just patching the bridge. We're now patching it to the tune of a million dollars a year, which is a lot of patch, but we're, you know, we've been trying to keep it operable. It's an extremely important bridge. From a public safety perspective, and I guess that's where, when there was this whole debate about fixing it, um, to me, it is absolutely essential that that bridge is operable. If you have a drowning child, please God, that never happens to anyone, or you know, an accident on the lakefront. To go through the Canada neighborhood with, you know, emergency rigs uh, to try to get to the hospital would cost precious minutes. Going over that Franklin Street bridge is the quickest and easiest and most accessible way for public safety uh, vehicles to access the lakefront there and back as they're heading out to the hospital. Yeah, so it's, it it's not like, a choice, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an absolute It's kind of how essential. the
0: infrastructure was laid out well before any of us were there, and it's just yes. kind of what, what's been inherited. Now, I know some people, um, it's interesting with the bridge, uh, the drawbridge, there, there's not just two sides of this, there's about a dozen that I've, I've seen online sure. and these kind of things. Some people are very interested in making sure that the drawbridge stays and that it's fixed because they want the historical you know, significance right. of it. Some people, you know, again, just get rid of it, they don't care. Um, so the county's making, you know, there, I know you guys are having these conversations, um, with the infrastructure bill, these kind of things that's coming out, there might be some money for this. Right. Is, is there a preference? Do you want to replace the bridge with another drawbridge? Is it just to really bolster it and get these fixes so they're you know 20 30 year fixes instead of one year fixes what's the plan so
2: there was a study done before i got involved in county government um they paid a lot of money for it and it it outlines various options um some of the options to be frank aren't very uh attractive to me as a person who knows how the that land down at the lakefront works um a a lot of it would be that the county would acquire a lot of land which means we're putting other businesses or other property owners out of out of business um so there you know for me i think that there's a lot of study that still needs to but we need to narrow down our options find out what money we have available it is uh, a complete replacement with a new uh, bascule bridge i believe was 80 million that's a lot of money <laughs> and yeah. so i mean if it's federal tax dollars our dollars returning from the federal government i think that that would Certainly sweeten the sweeten the deal. But um, until there's a financial um, opportunity for us, we're going to still continue to repair it. It has to stay operable and open and I think that was the whole debate that happened through the summer the bottom line is it's a public safety issue from my from my perspective and there are no options when it comes to public safety
0: yeah incorrect. and correct and again as you have said before there is certain timelines that have to be met by the Coast Guard these kind of things and so it's not only getting it repaired it's getting it repaired in a season and in a timeline That's right. that That's right. so uh, finally uh, before we get to a commercial break I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about what's happening with some of the drama in the colony with uh, as some online have affectionately called it snake gate. Um, uh, you're not involved in this, I know, in that way. But,
2: you know, what, what, how are you processing all of this stuff that's happening there? Uh, you used the best word, processing. So when I first heard this story, I have to say, you know, I've raised three sons and three daughters, and I was just kind of like, really? I rolled my eyes and thought, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But then as I've processed it, I realized that, for some people, it is um, intimidating. It is um, perhaps harassing. It is. So I've tried to really wear both. Both look at it from both perspectives. And I guess my bottom line is, um, this has been a year, unlike any, you know, I, I was in, on the city council in the 80s in Michigan City. I did that for eight years when I was a stay-at-home mom. I, I was a council member. And then I became mayor, and I did that for two terms. So I've been in politics. I thought I had been in rough-and-tumble politics. I have never seen a year like this, ever. I have been called more derogatory terms in the last, I mean, I'm a grandmother. I'm a teacher. I've been called more names in the last 12 months than I have in my entire career. It's it's hate speech. I mean, I've been called a bag man, a wooden-headed puppet. I mean, just Ridiculous things, and I'm not the only one getting those names. It's being thrown at at um, uh, Commissioner Merzinski and Attorney Shaw Friedman, and so that hate speech. Um, when I look at it from that lens, I say, you know what? Let's get past this already. This is this is not the way government is supposed to work. This is I'm in it because I love to take care of people, and I I think I'm good at fixing problems, but this is not what what we're about. Laporte County's better than this. And so to me, I say we need to turn the page, go into 2022 committed to being kinder, to being more professional. Um I'm not going to shame anyone, but I am I I will say it's a result of what of the hate speech, the disruption, the distraction, the shame, the bullying that's been going on. I I mean I've seen it in a way, up close and personal, in a way that I, I mean, using profanity and, you know, emails that are charging people with all kinds of rubbish, to be honest. It's got to wear on people. And I think that's what happened. It's the result of just um, people being fed up. And um, am I making excuses? Absolutely not. I think both sides need to really examine their conscience and say, we as a community deserve better. And that's what I I wanna stand for. Common sense, good values, and taking care of people. Well, I will
0: say as a citizen in tune with what's going on in, in maybe more than in some, it is wearing on people. So um, mm-hmm. on that, we will take a, our first commercial break. If you have a question, we'd love to hear from you. For Commissioner Matisse, uh, the Liquor Vault on airline is 219 You're welcome to call or text. We've got a couple calls I see on hold. We'll get to you right when we get back from this break. But keep listening to 96.7 The Eagle. Welcome back to Sound Off, friends. Uh, it is December 20th, just five days before Christmas. Um, and we've got Sheila Matisse, Commissioner for LaPorte County, for this fine county we live in today, um, on the show. We've got some texts coming in. If you've got a text or a, a phone call, you're welcome to call us or text us at 219 Hey, Dennis, let's get to some callers. All right. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you. What's your question for Commissioner Matisse?
1: Thank you for coming on today, Uh Mr. Tayus. Yeah, uh, you Mr. can call me Steve Sheila. Hallfield. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I have two Hi, I have two basically related questions. Okay. One, this lit tax. I understand how the county employees feel they're neglected. Mm-hmm. And I understand no one's debating that they shouldn't receive more. But every time we bring forward other options, because the county elected have told us, and they've told me personally. What, what can we do? Bring us other options. Every time we bring options forward to do something different, you ignore them or they're told we can't do things that way without even looking at them. Mm-hmm. The other end of it, the $4,000 bonus tonight coming out of the art money. I'm unable to attend this night's meeting, but a co- question I have, are we gonna pay that in payroll? Or are we gonna pay that as a 1099 as a bonus, which is what, when I worked for a factory, that's how our bonuses were handled was 1099. Because if you, we have to match that payroll, at 7.65% of federal withholding matching funds, and that's almost $200,000 that taxpayers will have to pay out of that instead of just giving them a 1099 and letting them handle on their taxes. Thank you. Good questions,
2: yeah. Yeah, Steve, that's, that last one is a good one uh, about the mechanics of how we would work on that. And that's gonna be a question, of the the council is the fiduciary arm, as you well know, and so they will be making the determination about uh, whether the ARP bonus, but I will tell you the commissioners did send uh, a list of 18 items to the uh, county council using the ARP money. Some of, them, some of them, the first one was the retention bonus because uh, staff worked really really hard and we know that we're losing lots of employees to other counties and other entities that pay far more than we do and we're trying to retain our talent we value our employees they're you know if you didn't have your employees you can't do your business and so uh, we have well-trained employees and we're trying to find uh a tool using the funds that were sent to us from the federal government, and let's not forget, those are our, our funds. I mean, it's not like they gave us a gift; those are our tax dollars returning. So um, we think that that's the highest and best use. The mechanics of it uh, will be something that the the auditor's office and works with the council to try to figure that out. Steve makes a really good point about the um, the the issue of it being a bonus check, um, and I know that in private business that's how they do it, and that's that's a mechanism that works really well. So that's a really good idea, Stephen. Thank you for that.
0: You don't think it have to because, uh, you know, or or else it's essentially you're going to take a raise away from a a people if it's not determined as a bonus. Right.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, And then the first question was about the lit tax. Um, You know, (laughs) LaPorte County is really proud you know i've been here three years as a commissioner and so um i i can take credit for what's happened in the last three years or blame for it i suppose but the the history of taxation in this county is very interesting we um we have an 18 year uh, freeze on hiring and so every time uh, someone wants to fill a position they have to go to the council um to get that position uh, authorized to fill um but the lit tax really is a, a tax. We have to figure out some way where we can make sure that we're paying people what they're worth so we don't lose them. If we lose talented people, we can't provide good service. Um, how that's done. And, you know, I know, Steve, you've t- made some really good points about trying to look through our budgets and cut, cut, cut. Uh, we've done that. Uh, we're proud of the fact that we haven't raised taxes in a long time, but I don't know that there's much more that can be cut. And we do have employees that need, um, need additional, um, salary raises to keep in order to keep the talent here so it's a it's a a tricky one there's there's two
0: solutions when you have budget issues right you can either raise more revenue right or you can cut Cut, you know and when you get to the point where you there's not a lot of cuts left to make you've got to figure out a revenue issue right right Right. and for our listeners that might not um you know whenever there's uh abbreviations used this a lit tax is just simply a, a local income tax and and it's just simply uh, a tax that's just based on a municipality or a locale so it's not a statewide tax or anything like that and it's one that they're talking about potentially. I know um, uh, Mayor Dermody will will be able to talk a little bit more about it because I think he is in favor of a, a lit tax. So law.
2: I won't say that I'm in favor at all. Yeah. Um, I think that as a county we need to really look at every single um, fund that we have and I haven't seen an analysis of every single fund and what we can use items for, what we what can be funded. Some of the things are very, you know, we're we're an old system, and so I want to be sure before we even talk about a tax increase. Which to me, that is the last. Mm-hmm. That's the last option, not the first option. As a taxpayer, and, I'm happy to hear. Yeah, that. Yeah, I I mean I don't. It would take a lot for me to say we need to raise taxes. I, I disagree with that. I think government tends to just keep rolling along. And if we were a private business, we would every year analyze every single funding source, every process, every system, and make sure that we're as efficient and effective as we can be. And I know for a fact, that's not where county government in LaPorte County is.
0: All right, we've got Commissioner Sheila Matisse on the show today. If you have a question, 219-362-0522, you can call or text us. Let's get to our next caller. Hey, thanks so much for waiting on the line. Thanks so much for calling. What's your question for the commissioner?
3: Hi, Sheila. Hi. Hi, a question is about the broad brand, broad, broadband, <laughs> okay. and I want to thank you for bringing it to LaPorte County. And the other thing is, what are some of your goals in 2022?
2: Oh well, thank you. Um, well, broadband, as you know, is a is a, a pet issue. It's a hard issue, and it's not that we've brought it to Laporte County, but it's it's an issue that is in every county that has um, has a profile like ours. We have urban centers, and there's no broadband issues to speak of in Laporte City or uh, Michigan City. Everyone can access broadband. They might not like the cost of it, mm-hmm. uh, but they can at least get it. As you fr- go further away from the urban centers, where there's Large pockets of population, the the commercial companies want a return on their investment. That's how our our corporations work. You can't blame them; they need to make money. So every mile of fiber that they put in the ground, they want to be sure that they've got mass of customers to use that fiber, and they'll get the re- the return on their infrastructure. So we have areas of this county. That have either very very poor broadband or very. Uh, there's a couple of places that have no broadband. We're talking La Crosse, Hannah. Yeah, La Crosse, Hannah. Um, you know, some of the, because there, Mills, it yep. might be a, a mile between a residence or between a farm. And so what we are doing, uh, we've done a, a broadband study. We now have an engineering study, and thank you to the Healthcare Foundation of Laporte for funding that. So we actually have a um, a. A game plan, an engineering study that breaks the county down by township and shows this is what's happening in this township in regards to broadband. This is the fiber presence that they have and this is how much it will cost in Pleasant Township, in Coolsbury Township, blah, blah, blah. So we actually could parse out a project. So now we need money. So we have some money in ARP, but we obviously can't use all of our ARP money for broadband. Um, and we So we're applying to the state for some of that infrastructure dollars through, uh, through um, uh, state government which is the federal dollars going to infrastructure uh, for around broadband. So it's not just a LaPorte County issue. It's an issue all across this country Mm -hmm. and uh, we need to get to the bottom of it. So during the COVID, it really, really, I think even people who might have thought, Sheila, what are you talking about rural broadband? COVID really proved that there is a problem here because you have people who have in one side of their house, they can have one child on a laptop doing their e-learning. They move down the hallway, and there's no there's no broadband in the in the rest of the house. Mm-hmm. And if you have three or four users, which was happening during COVID, and is we might be heading back into a really stressful winter with uh, the increase in in the COVID numbers. But we need to be sure that every child, every business, every farm has equal. Access to broadband so that they have the strength they need to grow their businesses. One of my aha moments during campaigning was I was out at a lot of farms and they were showing me how they use drones and how they use iPads to check irrigation levels, to check the the quality of the soil. And you know, it's not it's not the old bulldozer mm-hmm. uh, agriculture. It's it's you know they're they're competitive and so we need to make sure that our farmers here in Laporte County. Ag is a huge economic driver, and I want to be sure that I can do everything I can to give them the tools that they need.
0: Especially if we want some of these rural towns to still exist in 20, 30, Absolutely. 40 years, correct? Absolutely. All right. So we've got uh, Commissioner Sheila Matisse on the show today. We're going to take our next break, our final break of the day, and get back to some of your more, uh, some of your questions. If you have a question, 219-362-0522. Hey, thanks for listening to Sound Off today. Keep listening to 96.7 The Eagle. All right. Welcome back to our final segment of Sound Off today. We've got Commissioner Sheila Matisse on the show. Let's get to your calls. Hey, thanks so much for waiting uh, on the line. Thanks for listening to the show. What's your question for the commissioner?
4: Hey, uh, I'd like to say this. I, I know Sheila don't want to hear this, but uh, don't you people think you, if you had been more open in the beginning, you wouldn't have been arguing for a year with stables? Uh, I feel any money spent in this county by you guys, it, it should be an open book to let us know where that money went. So, automatically, it should be an open book to the auditor to, to, to see an itemized bill of where this money goes. You guys, uh, you actually make it look like you're hiding something. And I think that's the whole reason why Stable's thought you the whole time. Because mm-hmm. he's in charge of the money, mm-hmm. and you guys act like it wasn't none of his business. Well, as far as I'm concerned, he's writing a check. And also, I want to say one other thing. As far as Marzinski goes... He showed it. He showed his true colors, and I don't think you should be sitting there backing him, acting like it's no big deal. Because if he can be dishonest that easy, how dishonest is
2: he when he's running business down there?
0: All right. Well, thanks. So, what's your, yeah. What's your so
2: response? so? Thanks for that. So l- let me just be really clear. I had nothing to do with the Snake Gate ish- issue, so I'm not defending or or um, calling anyone out. I'm not. Uh, I'm not condemning anyone. I, I think that the whole the whole thing is really a sad state of affairs in LaPorte County, to be really frank. Uh, all of the fighting and the name-calling and the bullying, I've as I said earlier, I've never seen anything like this. And I, I think it's a darn shame, and it's not what the people of LaPorte County uh, deserve. To your other point about money, so the State Board of Accounts, for all the years I've been in government, when I was mayor, they come in and they spend about two weeks in LaPorte County every year and they tear our books apart. They find audit exceptions and they say, you know what, you didn't You didn't uh, have two people work on this. You need to f- come up with a better plan. They go through every single account in our county. They've been here in the three years I've been here. They've come and we've fixed a few things, but they have never called those attorney bills out as something being wrong with them. So um to me, if we want to tear p- bills apart, every single contractor, every professional advisor, we should treat everyone the same. So I don't have a problem tearing everyone's bills apart, but to pick on one person, which is really clearly what's been happening here, is that this um the auditor seems to really have some kind of hang up with Shaw Friedman. And I I've I've been on Shaw Friedman's bad list enough times in my life to tell you he is not perfect, but he is a really good lawyer and he knows county government. He answers his phone day and night weekends on when he's on his vacation and so i think the taxpayer gets a good value for them but i will promise you we look at those bills and so does the state board of accounts so nothing's happening this year that hasn't been happening in the past and if we want to do it differently i don't have a problem with that but let's do it the same for all the attorneys all the engineers all the professional advisors
0: all right here's a question online here let's get quit breathing life into the ridiculous drama going on with the commissioner and the auditor it's noise and we need to focus on real issues and not this embarrassing distraction anywho that's what the question <laughs> says my question is what is Commissioner Matisse's stance on wearing mask it needs to be a mandate for the health and well-being of our county thank you for all that you do
2: well th- thanks for thanks for that um so I couldn't agree more with you that we it is noise um I think that what happened with the snake gate I mean it's embarrassing it's made our county look stupid um but it's it's a result of some of the name calling and the bullying and the you know hate speech that's been happening for 12 months uh i've been frustrated you know about it and while i don't condone it i certainly think that it, it's time for us to turn the page on the sec on the second uh remind me what the second point was i just yes. lost the my mask yes. oh the mask okay i'm holding it in my hand actually mm-hmm. so that, that's funny that i couldn't remember mass when i'm playing with the little wire on the top of it here uh, so i'm a mask wearer i will say that up front um i am vaccinated and i'm boosted and i believe that the science is good enough to indicate that that's really helpful to people this morning the surgeon general was on uh, cnn and he was talking about the new 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 variant and he said you know i feel i'm worried about people who aren't vaccinated because uh while a vaccinated person might get the omicron uh, uh, variant they won't get they won't die of it they won't they will have a mild case but our hospitals are packed our ICU beds are few and far between. Our healthcare workers are exhausted. I have a daughter who's a nurse and she's saying that there are pregnant women coming in ready to have a baby that have COVID. I mean, it's really a serious thing. So if masks, the inconvenience of wearing a mask is um, is helpful, let's wear masks, especially when you're with people you don't know their vaccination status. Or you're in a crowded place with people that you know are not vaccinated. Uh, the the other The other thing is, um, last week uh, I s- uh, spoke via email with Dr. Ducey, who's our chief health officer, and she indicated that she believes, well, based on her experience, that we should have a mask mandate or a mask advisory. Um, I got Commissioner Mate- uh, Commissioner Merzinski and myself to support a mask advisory. Commissioner Haney did not support anything like that. And so um, we have not been able to pass a mask advisory, although I believe that it is really important that people do whatever it takes to keep themselves and their their families safe. Uh, we're hoping that the health department will be able to, on its own, um, issue a, health, uh, a mask advisory. You may remember that in the last uh, legislative session, the uh, legislature, wisely or unwisely, uh, said that the chief health officer is not, the one to make advisors or mandates. That it now the county commission, and so it's a different situation. Last time when we went through this surge before, the the um, health officer issued the mask mandate based on the science, based on what the medical community was saying. Now it's switched, and it's become a political issue, which is to me absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. I read the I read as much as most of you read, and I try to make decisions for my family and myself based on that. But from my perspective. We should have a mask, at least a mask advisory, so people know that this is serious and our chief health officer believes we are in a serious situation and we need to try to stop the spread of the virus. All right,
0: let's get to another caller. Hey, thanks so much for waiting on the line. We've got Sheila Matisse in the the studio today. What's your question for the commissioner?
3: Well, I, I I had a question regarding the drawbridge until this mask issue came up. Okay, uh, I, I completely feel differently than you, and okay. I know for a fact I talked to Mr. Haney last week regarding this advisory. Uh, Mr. Haney was for an advisory, but not for mandate. And there's a reason behind that, Ms. Uh, Matias. Okay. There's you a study Shila. that just came out last week right from, uh, I can't remember the source, but I could send it to you in an email. Okay. It had the top 50 states in the country with the death rates based on COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indiana was somewhere in number three, and they've had mask mandates. Florida is number 46, and they don't have mask mandates. The simple fact is, they're literally. I don't. I would. I would debate yourself or Dr. Cora live on the air. There is no scientific evidence that masks are effective in stopping or mitigating COVID-19
0: all right there's no point in yelling i, I yeah. just don't understand well, this.
2: i, I will no say this yeah i will say this i mean I'm, I'm i understand he feels strongly and i'm not uh but here's what sheila knows when i go to the dentist long before covid came they wear a mask when i have gone into surgeries they wear masks there must be some reason they wear masks in a surgical suite so that we don't get infections so um, from my perspective, it's a simple thing to do. Um, it's a preventative, and vaccines. We are vaccinated for tetanus and shingles and measles, mumps, and rubella. We don't don't let athletes go to summer basketball camp unless they make sure that their immunizations are, are accurate. So to me, the when the surgeon general and the the people who follow the data who are the experts say you'll get you might get infected with COVID if you're vaccinated, but you it'll be a mild infection. Otherwise you may die. And that to me is uh, is cause for alarm.
0: Uh, I, I did look up the death rates from COVID-19 in the United States uh, by state per 100,000 people. So per capita, Mississippi is by far the largest um, than Alabama, New Jersey, Louisiana, Arizona, Oklahoma, New York, Arkansas, Georgia, Florida. So Florida is actually in the top 10 worst states for COVID deaths per right. 100,000 people. All right, let's get to one more call before we're done here. All right. Thanks so much for waiting on the sh- on the, the the line. What's your question for Commissioner Matisse?
5: Uh, yes, I. Uh, she must. But have, she has to remember uh, that the masks that they wear in operating rooms are not the same masks that you buy in the store.
2: Uh-huh.
5: I don't know if you've ever tried wearing an N95, but yeah, try sometime and see how long you go. My second point is that I agree with the other individual that called in about uh, Stables uh, rejecting uh, certain uh, payments because he's responsible for it. Mm -hmm. I'm a former IRS agent, and when I did audits, I listened to people say, well, so-and-so told me to do this, so-and-so told me to do this, and I did it. No, you're responsible for that. And if I was an auditor, people have to know what an auditor does. He's the one that checks the stuff to make sure it is legitimate. That's right. You know? Yeah. And if he doesn't, it doesn't feel it was legitimate. Then somebody should provide the the their, um, documentation to make it legitimate, or uh, show that it's not legitimate. So to to and that to blame point, him for holding stuff yeah. up—that's not right. To that and my point, my last question is: yeah. how many how many people have actually quit in the last year? from the
2: port county government thank you a, a, a lot Thanks actually uh e- ems in particular has uh, lost quite a few and they are highly trained individuals they're going to counties around us where they pay significantly more um i don't have the number but i know it's in double digits uh in that particular department alone and there's other departments as well um to his point about the bills let me just be really clear some of the things that mr stables was requesting are are uh, what do you call it um Proprietary. They are legal opinions. They're uh, information between the client, which is the commissioners and the lawyer. And um, the State Board of Accounts has said that's that's you're not entitled to those things. Those are protected. uh, That's protected information. And so while. Uh, Mr. Friedman has, gi- has given more details to his bills. There's some things he's saying that's that's protected. That's that's you know it's um, and it's not. Mr. Stables is not a policymaker. He's an auditor. He's a numbers guy. And the commissioners are the policymakers. So we are entitled to ask for policy uh, information, advice, etc. And some of that is um, is not. Uh, so if perfect. I'm
0: hearing you right, uh, the county attorney was providing certain things, right. but there were certain things that he said were uh, off limits because they are uh, attorney-client yes. yeah. you know, privileged. Well, that's
2: the word privileged. Yep. <laughs>
0: I yep. couldn't right.
2: grab that one. Thank you.
0: So it wasn't that the county attorney wasn't responding at all. Well,
2: he gave lots of information. There were a couple th- I think one email, there were seven things that he did not uh, provide. And he said it was privileged information uh, between attorney and client. And that got the ball rolling. Even I, I think it. a
0: lot of people don't realize this again, and, and it's also in our language. He's not the county attorney. He's the commissioner's attorney. He's right? the commissioner's
2: attorney, but he's all he also um, he does work for like if another office holder mm-hmm. needs needs assistance, like the clerk, for example, he, he she called him and he answered some of her questions. He answers our HR questions. So if, if we're having a harassment issue, which we did have in a department recently, my first call. Was to the to the county attorney to say, are we aware of this? What are the next steps, and how do we make sure that the county is not liable? So um, he does advise other other departments as well because he has the expertise, and that's that's what you pay him for.
0: All right. Well, I'll give you the final word here on our show. I want to thank you so much for being on today. What do you want our listeners to know?
2: Uh, that's a that's a loaded question. So, um, I, I guess I want people to know that they they can reach out to me uh, via text or email or phone. Um, my I, I try to be really accessible on social media. Uh, people send me private messages a lot, and I try to you know I try to solve problems. Uh, I'm happy that this year 2021 is is drawing to a conclusion and my my best hope is that um, people will approach the season with uh, kindness in their hearts and with um, with charity and uh, that we will head into 2022 knowing that uh, you're only in this world one one time and you need to use your time wisely and do the best you can with what you have and try to make our corner of the world a brighter, happier, kinder place.
0: Well, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you. Merry Christmas Thank and you. Happy Holidays to our listeners. We'll be back next Monday with Mayor Tom. Be good to yourself, be good to others and keep listening to 96.7 The Eagle. Thank you for joining us and voicing your opinion on this edition of Sound Off. The views on Sound Off are those of the host or callers and do not represent the opinion of 967 The Eagle, Spoon River Media LLC, or the sponsors. Sound Off airs every Monday and Friday at 1230. Please mark your calendar and join us again for the next edition of Sound Off on 967
4: The Eagle.
1: Thank you for listening to the Sound Off podcast at 967TheEagle.com.